God, thanks for today. And God, just as we talk through some of these things, God, I just pray that you'd help us be on you today. God, I pray that whatever has our attention, God, I pray that that attention would be on you. plan in that and that you love us. You care for us. You care about where we are in life. You care about what's happening in life. Talk last two months about moving mountains. And if you've been here in the series, uh, we've talked about a lot of things. Okay, a lot of things. First and foremost, I am responsible for this mountain that is in my life. Even though somebody has done something to me, I'm responsible to put something in the gap. I've heard this all this week. A lot of different people talking about what are you putting in the gap, right? Uh, some of you, you're shopping at the gap, all right? So some of you, what are you putting in the gap? It's the action and the reaction. What are we putting in the gap? Like we have a say in what we're putting in this gap, this space of something happening to you because something happens to you, right? Somebody does something, somebody says something, somebody demonstrates something, life throws you a curveball, boss says something to you, it's personal, you hate it, you don't like the feelings that it does, but you are responsible for how you respond, how you react. This is the difficult part, okay? And we've all failed, okay? In fact, I would say, for whatever reason, this past week has been extra difficult for me. And I can easily go, it's because I have difficult people in my life, right? We can do that. We can go, you don't understand my work environment. You don't understand my students. You don't understand my kids. We can do all those things. But in the end, I am responsible for what I say. I am responsible for what I put in that gap, okay? I am responsible for these things. And we talked about Revelation 12, which is a powerful passage. Revelation 12 talks about the the devil, the enemy, who is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses. The devil accuses. Jesus corrects. And there's a big difference between accusation and correction. Okay? Accusation is like a fast food restaurant. You come in. It's real quick. You grab your stuff. You go. Correction is let's sit down. Let's discuss. Let's talk through. I'm for you, not against you. I want the best for you. I I want to continue this relationship. Accusation is, I'm going to just spew whatever I want, take it however you want, that's on you anyway, and I'm going to just keep on moving. This is the Pharisee mindset. The Pharisee mindset is, we're going to say whatever we want, Jesus, because we don't like you, we don't believe in you, and we're going to kill you one day. Jesus says, I have come, and I've come to correct. Who did Jesus rebuke? The Bible says he rebuked those closest to him. What does he say to Peter at one point? Peter messes up. Peter doesn't put love in the gap. Peter says something and he says, get behind me, devil. I mean, was the last time you said that to one of your friends? Hey, devil, get behind me. I mean, maybe you have. I wouldn't recommend it per se, especially to a spouse, you know. Honey, I love you. Get behind me, devil. I mean, it's not going to go over well. Yet this is what Jesus does. He corrects. But what did Jesus do? He spent three years with these guys. Three years correcting. And this, this I bring up because, man, we do relationships. And this is by far the most difficult thing that we do in life. Relationships are the most difficult things that we do in life. And we have to navigate through how do we do these relationships? How do I live life and do these relationships? And Proverbs 17 says, Love overlooks the mistakes of others, but dwelling on the failures of others devastates friendships. Okay? This is a 
kind of a quote that I live by. It says, your circle should want to see you win. Okay, so picture your circle. Who's your circle? Your husband, your wife, your kids, your close friends, people you can tell things to. That circle should want you to win. That circle should clap the loudest when you have good news. If it does not, hear what I'm about to say to you. Get a new circle. Your circle should want you to win. This is us being intentional in who I surround my life with. And if your circle isn't the one shouting and and celebrating the most, listen, if they don't celebrate with you, they will never have sympathy on you when you lose. Okay? If they're not celebrating when you win, they shouldn't be in your circle. You get to choose who you hang out with and know this. You become a product of who you hang out with. Well, my friends, they're this, this, and this, and this, and I can't stand my friends. At some point, you're going to be that friend. So, that was just a little recap. Now we're going to get into this week. Philippians chapter 1 says this, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped me spread the good news. This is Paul talking from prison. About 25 years after he's, after he's given his life to the Lord. He said, hey, I just want you guys to know everything that's happened to me has helped me spread the good news. What's happened to him? He's been put in prison. Okay? For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am changed because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. He says, listen, what has happened to me? The bad things that have happened in my life have helped spread the good news, the gospel. People have gotten saved because of the bad things that have happened in my life. And I just want you guys to know, brothers and sisters, I want you to know that I count what has happened to me as a benefit to the kingdom of God. What is this? This is a perspective that Paul has come to. And this perspective that he's come to is I've realized what matters and what doesn't matter. I've realized who to associate with and who not to associate with. I've realized who are negative influences in my life. And I've realized people that I need to give my life away for. This is what he's saying later in Acts 16 or earlier in Acts 16. The Bible tells of a similar account. This was actually the first time that Paul and Silas are put in prison. It says they're going to a place of prayer. It says they encounter this woman who has an evil spirit. And it says that they confront this evil spirit and then it says they see deliverance they see this woman get saved they see this woman's life totally changed and it says this we can pick it up in verse 22 it says a mob quickly formed against paul and silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods they were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape See, the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. (laughs) I don't know that we've ever been treated this way. I don't know that we've ever been stripped of our clothing and beaten the way Paul and Silas were just beaten. But I believe there are people in this room who have been stripped of confidence. I believe there are people in this room that have been stripped of faith. I believe there are people in this room that have been beaten with anxiety. I believe there are people in this room that have been beaten with depression. And it says that these men, 
We're justified. Spreading the gospel. Spreading the good news of who Jesus was. And it says that men came at them and beat them. So picture for a moment. These men sitting in prison. Sitting in prison with bloody noses and broken bones. I mean, beaten severely. For what? For seeing a young woman come to Jesus. This is why they were beaten. They're beaten because a girl who was set free, a girl who was delivered, a girl who didn't know Jesus, but now knows Jesus. And now there's this angry mob who says, I don't like what just happened. And we're going to beat you, put you in prison and not just prison in the interchange chambers. And we're going to lock you one to another and to the prison guard. So picture this three men right here. And it's different jail than our, our time. This was a family business. Okay, we'll see this in a second. This was a family business. When you owned a jail, this is connected to your house. And so these guys are inside. Again, they're spreading the gospel. Okay, they're spreading the gospel. My question is, when that type of fear comes in your life, what do you do? Like when you've been stripped of confidence or you've been stripped from who you are, like what do you do in those moments? Like this is a genuine question. When life doesn't go how you thought it was going to go, what, what do you do? When life isn't how you thought it was going to turn out, like, how do you handle that? Like, where, where does your mind go? Where do your thoughts go? Like, what, what actions do you have? How do you fill the gap? Because again, it's not filling the gap with love when love is easy. It's filling the gap with love when love is hard. It's not filling the gap with, with going with the flow when life is good going with the flow. I'm on a beach. I'm hanging out. Family's good. Nobody's smarting off. Turkey dinner was actually okay. It's not going with the flow in those moments. It's going with the flow in the moments when someone says something at Thanksgiving, which is going to happen, and you don't like it, and they get on your nerves, and you don't want to be there, and you're like, why do we even do this? All right, it's hitting, hitting a chord with what Thursday might look like. Like, what are you putting in the gap then? And this is what it says. And around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. Things are bad. Things aren't fair. It's not what they thought would happen. They decided to have a worship night. They decide, you know what? We're going to go ahead and just worship the Lord here in prison. About midnight. Here's what I've discovered. I find out who I am at midnight. I discover who I am when I'm unjust, unfair, in a position that I didn't ask for, I don't deserve. And my matter of perspective in that moment is, what in the world do I do? Paul and Silas decide... We're going to worship. I don't know who this is for, but someone here, you have an issue. And it's a big issue. In fact, I would even say you have two or three issues. And they're real. Don't forget to see the big picture. Don't forget to see the big picture. Perfect faith is not faith that moves God. Perfect faith is faith that moves us to trust God when it doesn't seem that God is moving. There's a big difference. It's not that I have faith to move from this point to this point. It's faith to just trust 
that God, you're in control at midnight in a prison when I don't think I deserve to be here. But nonetheless, I am here. This wasn't praise for the what. This was praise before the provision. It didn't say and a miracle happened and they praised the Lord. They praised the Lord before it ever happened. See, sometimes, sometimes, in fact, I would say nine times out of ten, I would say majority of the time, the only way you're going to get out of prison is to praise your way out. And I'll throw this little curveball in. You're not going to feel like it. Well, I just didn't feel like going. There's a lot of things I don't feel like doing that I got to do. Right? I mean, you just got to do them. And you really discover who you are by that. But this is what I find very interesting about this. This is about 61 AD, 50 AD, 11 years after Acts 16, Paul says in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. 11 years after being in prison in Acts 16, Paul is saying, hey, rejoice in the Lord. Why is Paul in Philippians 4 saying rejoice in the Lord always? Again, I say rejoice from prison because Paul figured out 11 years before that when you praise Something happens. So now Paul is in, in, in prison at the Philippian prison and to the Philippian church. And here's what he's saying. He's like, guys, you need to rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice because of who God is. Knowing that the, the earthquake may happen, the doors may open, but they also may not. I'm going to praise God whether they open or whether they don't. When's a good time to praise the Lord? Anytime is what Paul is saying. Paul's saying, whether there's plenty or whether there's not, you just praise the Lord. There's going to be moments that God opens the doors quickly when you praise. And there's going to be moments when it doesn't happen as fast as you thought it should. Hear what I'm about to say to you. God is not on your timing. I don't have faith just so God does move the mountain, God, give me faith to trust you when the mountain is in front of me. Listen, what what you do matters. (laughs) What you say matters. And what you do when there is a mountain in front of you or a prison that you're in, what you do in that moment matters. Now, yesterday, uh, me and Sean went to the Indiana-Michigan game along with our wives, though I don't know that they saw much of it because they sat most of the time, cuddled and all that kind of stuff because it was chilly, okay? And I'm not a huge Indiana football fan. I'm a basketball and soccer fan. But nonetheless, I went because I knew Sean would be giddy and it was fun to watch, right? Because Michigan was playing. And there was a gentleman behind us who complained the whole game. No offense to anybody that's in here, but he was old. And he was just sitting down, never stood up, and he just complained the whole time. He just complained. At one point, I just want to turn around and say, the referee does not hear you. (laughs) So you yelling at him isn't helping anybody. You are spewing things from behind me, and it is stinking annoying. Okay, It is driving me absolutely crazy. Indiana is not going to win this game. And that one call isn't going to change anything, all right? It's just not going to happen. You constantly saying, in the snow and in the rain and in the cold, complaining about the officials and complaining about all sides and complaining about the old fight, complaining about all these things, it does not matter. And so it is with us. Usually when we're complaining, it doesn't get us free. 
If I read to you, and Paul and Silas were in prison, and they began to complain with one another. You and I would go, man, I'm so much like Paul and Silas. Man, I can totally relate. It's not what it said. See, I think we've asked the questions. I've asked these questions. God, why does it seem like things aren't working? God, why does it seem like I'm always here? I'm always struggling. Maybe because we've believed a worldly belief. And this belief is that if I can complain, I can get out of it. But the Bible says the only way they got out of it is that they praised their way out of it. That instead of complaining, maybe we use the breath that we have and we pray. See, this was a deeper type of praise. And here's the other thing. Praise will change your perspective. It will change the way you see things. Suddenly, there was purpose connected to the pain. There was purpose. And hear what I'm about to say. You may not see it now. But you might be going through something that later on, God uses that something that you're going through now so that later on you could be the person that helps someone get through the prison because of what you've gone through. Because when you attach purpose to pain, now all of a sudden it gives you confidence. And now through that confidence, you can praise. Why did Paul in Philippians 4 say what he said? Because he knew what happened in Acts 16, 11 years before what is that? That's confidence. It says, suddenly, in verse 26, suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations and all the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. I mean, come on. Well, I mean, it's probably a coincidence. I mean, it was probably just one of those things. He probably sang the right We the Kingdom song, you know. You know, at that point, it didn't matter what his voice sounded like. He was praising. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, and this is what I want us to see. He says this, and I love this first part. He says, I know I sound like a madman. Anybody else? Sometimes you're like, I know I sound crazy. What I'm about to say to you. But I've served him far more. I've worked harder. I've been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 90, 39 lashes. And three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent the whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I've faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I've faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I've faced dangers in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I've faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long and during many sleepless nights. And I have been hungry and thirsty and I've often gone without food. And I've Shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying, I understand what you're going through. I've been there. Yet in this moment, he prays. Now there's three quick things that I just want to point out that Paul did. In this moment, again, I think you find out who you are. And the first thing that I think you find out that you and I have to see, especially as we conclude the series, is you have to go where you're sent. 
See, when you have confidence to go where you're sent, then you'll be confident that where you are is where you're supposed to be. See, I think a lot of times we despise where we are. We despise where we are in life. And so we don't go. Paul is finding confidence in the fact that he's in prison. See, when you can find confidence and when you can believe and when you can understand that what you're going through is for a purpose and a reason. And you can understand that what is happening in your life is only to better you and strengthen you and give you more confidence Then what happens is you can go wherever it is that he's sending you. It's only then. It's only then. This is why later in life, at the end of his life, Paul said to Timothy, endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He's saying, listen, there's going to be moments where you want to quit. There's going to be moments where you want to not go. And there's going to be moments where it doesn't make sense to you. Endure. Persevere. Keep fighting. Man, there is nothing easy about being publicly disgraced. There is nothing easy about being being beaten publicly, put in prison for what I'm doing to you right now. This is why he was put in prison. There is nothing more difficult than being, man, listen, we've been in relationships where someone's lied about us. We've been in relationships where someone says something and it's just not true. Their insecurity is making up lies about you. We've been in those relationships. How does that feel? Like it hurts really bad. It does something to your heart. So imagine it doing something to your heart and then they take it a step further and they beat you and they put you in prison and then they lock you and connect you with one another. And then in that moment you decide, I'm not going to complain. I'm going to sing a song. In that moment, what is that, you guys? We can't just go, come on, guys, let's just start singing. Something deeper is happening here. Something is happening in his life. Because again, you don't learn your theology and what you believe at midnight. You discover it. It reveals you. What is being revealed about Paul and Silas is that when it got dark, they worshiped. What it reveals about Paul and Silas is that when it got difficult, when there's things they didn't understand, they still went. That's what he did. James 1, 2 and 4 says, Dear brothers, when troubles of any kind come your way, what kind of troubles? Any kind. Any kind. Consider it an opportunity for what? Yay! Trouble. You're awesome. Thanks for coming. For you know that when your faith is tested... Your endurance has a chance to grow. Now, if I said to you guys, hey, who in this room, you just want to grow? I mean, you're like, yeah, I want to grow. Yeah, I want to grow. Who wants to grow in their faith? Yeah, I want to grow. Yeah, I want to grow. Okay, here's how your faith is going to grow. It's going to be tested. Hey, who loves tests? My gosh, that's where my anxiety comes out. You know, the worst feeling in the world when I was in school. All right, pop quiz. It's like, oh my gosh. No. No, like no prayers are working at that moment, right? I've, I've discovered like, Jesus, please give me something I don't know right now. He says, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, 
you will be perfect and complete. What? Lacking nothing. (laughs) Needing or lacking nothing. You know where Paul was at? Yeah, I might be in prison right now. It's where I'm at. It's where God's got me to be. Listen, when God wants you to go, you go. When God wants you to move, you move. At that point, I either trust him or I fight him. Paul and Silas are not fighting him. They're worshiping him. Why? Because they've discovered who they were. Their faith has been tested. He's been beaten by who? Robbers and people that were believers. That tells you that there's going to be a moment where somebody says something to you and it's because they don't know Jesus. And there's going to be moments that somebody says something to you and they do know Jesus. Right? They know Jesus and you're like, oh my goodness. That really hurt. Go where he sins and also stay where you are. (laughs) Paul and Silas didn't negotiate to get out. They worshiped. Where you are is because God wants you there. And again, when he wants you somewhere else, you'll be somewhere else. When you're put in a prison or put, it doesn't mean that we accept bad circumstances in life. It means we learn to worship in whatever circumstance we are in life. Listen, happiness is adapting to our circumstances. Joy is it doesn't matter what happens in my circumstances, I'm choosing joy. Happenstance, having happiness when I give you $100 is easy. Having joy when I take $100 is difficult. We get this, right? Paul and Silas have learned to be content. This is what Paul continues in 2 Corinthians. I've learned to be content in whatever season of life I am. Whether my belly is full or it's empty, whether I have clothes or I don't, whether I'm beaten or whether I'm living in life of luxury, whatever season I am, I've learned to be content. This is what Paul says. What is that? It's not only do you go where you're supposed to go, where God sins, but it's also sometimes you've got to stay where he has you to stay. And then he says you've got to give what you have. You know what I love about Paul and Silas in prison? They weren't quiet. They were vocal. They were singing. They were joyful. They were doing things that go against the flow. This verse ends this way. Verse 27. And the jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped. So he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights and he ran to the dungeon and he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, listen, when was the last time that we didn't have to ask people If they want a relationship with Jesus, but they asked us. Well, that's Paul and Silas. They're they're like spiritual giants. I mean, they know what it is to to worship at midnight. I'm just not there. 
Why are you not there? And stop excusing ourselves for why we're not there. It says in this moment that he asked and they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. I love this. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. This tells us the jail is this is a family business, right? The kids experienced the earthquake. The kids at midnight woke up and said, dad, something just happened. Dad, there are men in our jail that are singing hymns and praying to a God. And when they prayed and when they sang, an earthquake happened. Dad, what is happening? Dad goes, kids, I don't have the answer. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And he said, believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus, you'll be saved. And not just you, but every single person in your household. Even at the hour of the night. The jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. You guys, when you believe in Jesus, there should be life change. (laughs) It says, listen, I'm just assuming right now I'm going to take some liberty that he was part of the crew that beat these guys up. I'll also just assume that he was part of the crew that didn't stop it from happening. And now they pray And they sing. And in their prayers and in their singing, a miracle happens. And the jailer now says, what must I do to be saved? Believe in Jesus and not just you, your whole household. And then even at midnight, he got out the water and he started bandaging up. He started washing their wounds. He started taking care of these guys. Then he... And everyone in the household were immediately baptized. I mean, come on. In a hot tub. He brought them into his house and he set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. All because two men who were wrongly accused, wrongly imprisoned, decided Instead of complaining about where we are, maybe God has us here for a reason. Maybe the only way this jailer will ever hear the gospel is for us to be in prison. Maybe the only way his little kids are going to ever hear about Jesus is when we pray and when we worship. And it's, it's, it's extremely known, you guys, that when you worship, when it doesn't make sense, People recognize. My gosh, you're going through a lot of stuff. Man, why do you have so much joy? You're going through it. Man, people are vicious towards you. You justify it all day long, right? All these things are happening. It seems like God, all these things are happening. Maybe God just wants you to take a pause break and worship. Maybe it's in this moment. That you go, God, I've been handling this all wrong. I've been in prison all, all too long. Listen, you're not in prison or in bondage because that's where God wants you. He doesn't want you there. But what you put in the gap when you're in prison really does matter. You're expecting to complain your way out of this. And now all of a sudden you find yourself still there, still months later, 
Yet Paul and Silas are released. If you keep reading the story in Acts 16, then they came to them and apologized. I apologize for what happened to you. And they were on their way. Listen, if they talked trash to that jailer, if they tried to escape on their own from that jailer, how different is this story? It's a different story. They're on the run. See, some of you, you're in bondage today, not because God hates you, not because your parents hate you, not because your boss hates you. You're in bondage today because you don't know how to respond when you're at midnight. And it has everything to do with that. Again, I'm not justifying the wrong that has happened in your life. I'm not justifying the abuse. I'm not justifying the mistakes. I'm not justifying any of that. Just like I'm not justifying. But these men discovered when injustice happens, when wrong happens, we're going to do everything that we can to see God move. To see God move. Our responsibility to move these mountains are to praise our way out to worship our way out. And I get it. You don't feel like it. You you feel like being in a bad mood and everybody knows it. Everybody knows you walk into a room and it deflates the whole room. Like, oh my gosh, there's Debbie being a downer again. You know? There she is. Look at her. Right now they're calling you Scrooge, bah humbug you. You're that kind of boss. What would happen? What would happen? If at midnight we decide, man, I'm going to worship the Lord right here because of who he is, because of what he can do. And so I will rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice because when I rejoice in the Lord, miracles happen. Earthquakes happen. People get saved happens. People get saved when I rejoice in the middle of my prison. You guys, you guys, we got to change our perspective we got to change our perspective. And then at the end of, of Exodus, when it talks about the, the, the people of Israel just walking around this mountain, my God, I've seen this mountain for 40 years. When is this going to change? When they talk different. It says for 40 years, they complained instead of worshiped. God, why are we out here? 40 years. You know how long it was supposed to take? 40 days. 40 days. 40 day journey. 40 day journey. Have you ever been on a flight where you're like, it was supposed to be an hour and a half flight? Why 10 hours later am I still here? That's a Delta flight to Minneapolis every time. (laughs) Are you ripping on Delta? I actually am and I avoid you, Delta. I avoid you. Because I was just going to Minnesota and it took 10 hours, right? Right? But you know what happened on that flight to Minnesota? It's the first time I met Sean Williamson. The Lord knew that we needed to be on a plane together where he couldn't escape. (laughs) I'm going to lock this thing down. You got 10 hours. You got 10 hours. You're where you're at because God wants you where you're at. What are you going to do with where you're at? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Would you stand with me today? I have these guys doing this song. It's a song we've done a lot. It's a song you know. 
If you don't, you'll learn it real quick. But there's a three-word statement in the middle of it. And the statement is, yes, I will. Yes, I will. You know why? Because you're in charge of your will and what you do with it. Not yes, somebody else will, some, somebody else for me. Yes, I will. What? Lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Right? Not for what he's given you, not for what he's done, but for who he is. For he is good. And his love and his mercy endures forever and ever and ever. And this is Luke 6. I know I use this passage so much, but it is my favorite. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. This is fun, right? Then your reward from heaven will be great. You'll be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You know who God is? He is kind to you when you are ungrateful all 364 days out of the year and not Thanksgiving. When you are wicked, he is kind to you. When you are being a jerk and a tool, he's kind to you. When you're saying the wrong things, he's kind to you. When you're complaining in prison, he's kind to you because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. And then he says, and you must be compassionate just as he is compassionate. What is he saying? He's going, guys, this is who God is and this is why we worship him. This is why. So yes, I will. Despite where I'm at, despite what happened to me, despite my boss being my boss, despite my kids being my kids, yes, I will. I will not let you take this from me. I will not let you steal my joy. This mountain of anxiety is gone in Jesus' name because I am choosing in this moment what I say because what I say matters. And in this moment, I'm deciding to sing. And yes, it doesn't make sense. But you know what else happened? When they sang, the other prisoners were listening. Because what you say in the midnight hour matters to the people around you. So watch it, what you're saying in front of your kids. Watch how you're saying it to your kids. Because what you say matters. Because they're either going to experience the miracle of an earthquake, or they're not. And it was dependent on that. Pray. Worship. Yes, I will.